0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Here is the promised driving. Well, I say driving. Ha! <laughs> What I mean is writing, writing impressions that I had of all the vehicles at the RMDE. This was the, you know, event in 2018, the RMDE 18 event. So I'll give you a list of all the cars I rode in. DT Ram 1500, that's the new one. BMW M5, MQB Platform VW Jetta, that's the new one. 2019 Jeep Cherokee Trailhawk. The new, well, I say new, relatively new Nissan Titan, the 2019 Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid, the new, the 2018 Mustang Bullet, the Volvo XC40, the Mazda Miata RF, the Mercedes E Class 400, the Fiat 500X, the Kia Stinger, and the new Nissan Leaf. So, why don't we start with the 1500? This is Rams' newest generation of their fairly famed pickup truck and the first thing i notice is how nice how gorgeous this interior is i i got in the truck at the auto show earlier this year it's not like i didn't know how nice the interior was it still caught me off guard how nice the interior was again though it's a top notch interior i almost dare to say it's better than the fifth gen viper interior really either in materials or design or the fixtures but if we ever get a new viper with fca's current level of interiors just i'll be gone i will be gone and the viper's interior is nice i've been i've been in a gen 5 viper it was the acr that was nice really apart from the fact that it was a viper but the 1500 that is a truly stunning interior the engine We could hear it from the front couldn't really hear the exhaust note from the back we just hear the grumbling at the front because it was so quiet on the inside the ride was exceptional the ride was very very impressive it it i dare to say it rode like a big luxury suv i don't know it had the sort of confidence of a car didn't really i mean it rolled a little bit while we were going faster through the mountain roads but it had a lot of confidence rode it just rode really really nicely it handled pretty well too it's big maybe maybe not as big as the titan although i'm almost sure that it is but it didn't when, when we're riding inside it just didn't feel the the suspension masked how big it, it really was it made it it didn't make it feel as big as it probably was and that's a very big compliment it didn't we didn't really test out the the So though, if i you know could drive i could probably go pick up a press you know a, a fleet one and then try that myself with my own music but, yeah, I was just very, very impressed with the way the whole truck just conducted itself. It was, if trucks weren't made, if the 1500 was not a truck, if it was, let's say, a Ram Charger or a Tahoe competitor, it would be a darn good Tahoe. You almost forget that it's a truck. I mean, I, the only way you can't forget, I mean, for me, is the fact that, A, I know it's a truck, B, there's a Ram logo on it, but it would make a perfectly a an, a brilliant Tahoe suburban and Escalade competitor or Lincoln Navigator competitor because it's just that luxurious inside. That was just a really impressive vehicle all around. A really really great great vehicle. SCA did a really just a bang up job when they when they you know undertook the perhaps when they undertook the treacherous path of updating the fifteen hundred. Because I've read a lot of comments about from Mopar, from. Mopar fans about how they don't like the looks of the new 1500. They say, you know, oh, it's lost its distinctive look. It, you know, because all the other trucks have bigger grills. Now the Ram just looks kind of subdued and, thing, and things like that. But I was talking to Ryan Nagode because he was there, and I, and I told him that it seems to be a little. The reception seems to be a little not hit and miss, but well, yeah, a little hit and miss. People who love it absolutely adore it, but people who hate it really don't like it. But what, what I said to him was, I really like it because all the other trucks are going for DS style giant grills, just absolutely one foot long and tall grills. Whereas, well, no, three feet, you know, just three feet tall and wide grills. Whereas Ram went, they went the opposite way from the 1500. They went with a, with a more buttoned up look. And he said that, you know, yeah, they, they were seeing that too, but that's, I find that funny because it seems like most people say well they need to do big you know big grill whatever because that's ram's distinctive look but if ram had done that it might have just looked like all the other trucks on the road just a big giant grill but you know because they didn't i feel that it's still distinctive because it's it's how ram would do a a a smaller grill not only that but it's going against the trend of what all the other uh truck makers are well that automakers are doing so the 1500 was probably one of the best best vehicles there just a really it was really good all around it was very just brilliant the next car i will talk about is the vw jetta the jetta what to talk about the jetta the jetta was underwhelming to to say the least they had a Mazda 6 there unfortunately i didn't ride in that i i wish i did because that would have made it for a great comparison but the jetta was kind of as as my good friend david said it's a good mode of transportation and that's really about it maybe apart from the fuel economy there's not there's nothing maybe outside from the fact that it's a Volkswagen that would make you go, okay, well, I'm going to buy this over a Mazda 6 or, or any of its competitors. It was quick. It had a peppy engine, not not exceptionally so. It rode nice. We didn't really push it, though. I don't know. It was just kind of bland to me. If, okay, if the Camry is supposed to be the Jetta's competitor, it we might have come to a point where the Camry has got more character than and i say that loosely but it might have more character than the Jetta, and that's that's a little sad it i don't know it, it the Jetta had have a lot of trunk space it was comfortable inside it it's not that it was a bad car it's just it's sort of like the non-car person's car and what i mean by that is if normal people were to make a car the Jetta would be it totally uninteresting but fine at everything sort of like a jack of all trades but a master of none that's that's kind of what it was like just not very noteworthy the next car was the new Cherokee Trailhawk with the 3.2-liter pedestal, not the 2-liter turbo, much to, well, to my slight disappointment. And the Cherokee Trailhawk, small on the inside, and I don't know if the guy I was sitting behind the Jeep representative, Jordan, I don't know if he was tall or if the Cherokee's interior is small, but I had less, I think if I remember correctly, I had a little bit less leg room sitting behind him than I had sitting in the, on the same side of our of the family take one. I was very very surprised by that. The rear seating the rear seating legroom wasn't bad for me, but I'm only 55. So, if you're 58, you might feel a little cramped. The headroom was pretty good, but again, if you're a little bit taller. Power, I don't know if David really got on it when we were when we were getting onto the on-ramp, but we moved, and that was really about it i wasn't i don't think we really got on it because i i think if we did i would have heard the engine a little bit more it just sounded like the engine okay when when we were emerging it sounded like david was maybe less slightly less than partial throttle so not so enough to get up to a speed but not really pass anyone so it probably would have been a bit more impressive but i think the two liter probably would be the preferred engine uh in the lineup the interior was nice I sat in the back this time actually so I didn't get to mess around in the front. But the rear door and that so that had that had a surprising amount of plastic to me. There there it's like it's like a where the door panel was like a plastic mold. Just the, the the whole interior door panel it went from top of the door panel down to the B pillar just before just before there was a seam on the floor. Like three quarters of the way to the floor and that whole bit was plastic kind of a hollow sounding kind of a cheap hollow sounding plastic too but i was i was surprised by i was a little disappointed in the plastic mostly yo, because i'm a mopar guy but but i was surprised by just how big the piece was i'm like you could sled it was big enough for me to sled on if i was in the fetal position i was surprised but the rest of the interior was pretty nice again uh, but while there was a fair bit of plastic on the other on the other end of the scale it's made the Cherokee Trailhawk, the one that we had, was maybe a $34,000 view. For everything else that you're getting, it was still pretty nice, so that, you know, might be part of the course for some, for some other automakers. Maybe not for the edge that we, the rental edge that we had when we were, when we were at Texas, because I, I felt the, the top of the door panel when I was sitting in the back then too, and that felt less plasticky. I, I was surprised, but the edge, I think it's wider. I don't think it's longer than the Cherokee, but it's certainly wider, and that, And I, and when I was riding in the Cherokee, I was reminded of how wide the edge, how roomy the interior of the edge felt compared to the much, compared to how much tighter the interior of the, of the Cherokee was. I was, again, surprised, but the Cherokee was nice. I, I'd still get one. Yeah, well, it wasn't that bad. It was still pretty good. The engine, I'd go for the two liter. I think that's probably the better alternative, but again, not that bad. The interior was pretty good, probably a bit better in the front. You could probably get some more luxurious items to sort of up the to make the interior feel a little bit more upscale but overall really good we didn't do much that we did a lot of highway driving because this was early on so not much to say from the driving dynamics maybe other than the road noise wasn't that bad a little bit louder than i expected but it wasn't that bad the ride was good the seats were comfortable the seats in the rear anyway were comfortable yeah not bad i will continue on after the break
1: are you uninsured or underinsured? Can't afford the high premiums of health insurance? Would you like to save money on your out-of-pocket cost for dental and medical bills? If you answered yes to any of these questions, request more information at <laughs> http://www.ownyourhealthcare.com/alternative-dash. Healthcare-Solutions, or call Dr. Taffy at 303-576-0670. Our plans are available in 42 states.
0: The next vehicle to talk about is the Nissan Titan. This was probably the most, or at the very... Maybe the least impressive vehicle. Easily the most disappointing vehicle that I rode in. I will be completely honest. I didn't know what I was expecting getting into the Titan. What I mean by that is I had no idea what to expect getting into the Titan as I had never really looked at the interior photos before. So when I got in, when I opened the door, all I see is a sea. Just a sea of black plastic. That's kind of par the course. When you look when you realize the fact that it was the midnight edition so it's kind of like the um the blacktop cars from dodge basically just an all blacked out version okay every automaker does it. that's basically what it was but the problem i think is that without having the contrasting colors of any kind it made the interior look cheaper i looked at the the latest titans interior i looked at those i looked at images for that on google it looks better in the images than i than it did when i sat in it and i think i just realized that's because there were contrasting colors. It, it, it to me that looks more premium than just all black. Okay, you can have good all black interiors. Viper, a bunch of sports cars, whatever. But if you have black and plastic, that looks cheap. That gets that looks cheap instantly. If it had some contrasting colors, I mean, that, it wouldn't have been a midnight edition then. But if it had contrasting colors, the interior might not have looked so cheap. It still would have felt cheap though, because I touched, you know. I moved my hand around the interior and, oh boy, was that shocking. Just shocking. And, you know, you might be saying, oh, it can't be that bad. They did piano black plastic, right? No. They did, they did the cheap matte looking one, the one that you can scratch with your fingernail. Ugh. It, honestly, the interior looks like it came out of the last generation truck. And, just for the sake of curiosity, I looked at the last generation truck's interior on, on Google. I looked at images and, yikes. Just, yikes. So, if we look at it from that standpoint, the new Titan's interior is definitely an improvement. But compared with all the other trucks, well, even with the last generation 1500, I'd I say the interior is still behind. The the DS 1500, the truck that they're now calling the, the 1500 Classic, it's still behind. And that, it's sad. Okay, that, that e- at the very least, that was the worst interior of all the cars that I rode in or vehicles that I rode in that had the worst interior. The ride was that was good. It wasn't like the Ram though. Um it didn't ride with as much I'm not it rode with confidence, but it but the the suspension made the truck feel big. The handling made the truck feel big. Whereas whereas the Ram's interior made the truck feel smaller, the Titans interior or er, no, handling made it I, some of me doesn't want to say bigger, because it's already a really big truck, but it feel but it feels more cumbersome than maybe it should feel, it was, it felt like a really big truck, right, or a fairly big truck, riding, riding inside, just the handling was, again, not bad, it turned well, maybe not quickly, maybe not with as much, maybe, maybe not with the almost car-like, car-like dynamics that the Ram 1500 did, because that was very impressive for handling but the titan felt more truckish it definitely felt more truckish it just felt bigger a bit more cumbersome less agile it did it definitely didn't feel like it had the agility that the ram did that's for sure and then when we got onto a certain stretch around again around where i live it was the bumpiest ride i had felt in all in all the cars that i had ridden in that day it it you know, have, have any of you guys watched Tom and Jerry? Okay, I don't know if this is a one-episode thing or if it's a multiple-episode thing, but I think Tom gets his... Tom or Jerry gets their head stuck in, in, like, one of those medieval... Oh, what are they called? You know, we you have your head and your arms through and then the back... Yeah, okay. No, no, I know, I know what I'm talking about. Remember that... Remember that... Not Tom and Jerry. Remember that Bugs Bunny episode where... They tunnel to the Himalayas, and then they meet the abominable snowman. And Daffy does something, and the abominable snowman has to punish Daffy. So he so he holds his neck and spanks Daffy. Okay, and you know how his head is going back and forth like a like on a paddle board. No, not paddleboard paddle ball that's what it that's what it was like riding in the Titan on that stretch of tower it was like it was like that it was like I was a ball connected to a paddle with some strip. it was until it was like a game of paddle ball it was crazy I'm, my head just kept bouncing up and down like a cheesy 1940s flick of a of a couple going down a dirt road it was in no other car the Miata. The M5, the Mustang, not, none of the sports cars or the normal cars did that. Not one of them. But the Titan, the Titan did that, and it was really, really strange. And normally I'd say, oh, well, you know, that's not so bad. You, you know, you can tolerate that. No, this was frequent. This was like extreme paddle ball. Like three hits a second. That's that's what it was like. It was, it was bad to to put it simply it was bad the engine not bad it we didn't get on it that much well uh, it it helped us merge onto the highway it again it really wasn't that bad it was i'd say because it, it really wasn't that notable it wasn't bad it wasn't necessarily and it might have just been average i feel like that's an insult but it might have been average um it wasn't that loud inside not i don't think it was as quiet as the ram but it wasn't as it wasn't terribly loud inside center stack that the infotainment was probably one of the most disappointing too because it looks i know that it has one of one of the best systems that you can in the automotive industry but it does surprise me to see some automakers have i'd say genuinely terrible touchscreens or you know infotainment systems and once again the titan i didn't mess with the menu that much but the one thing it did look was outdated like frankly the rest of the interior again it really oh oh it i was very unimpressed i was very unimpressed and then i was riding with mia and very early on in the ride we i don't know what station we were on but she blasted the radio it kind of it kind of hurt my ears i gotta be honest she just turned it up i'm like okay you know, you know when you have that one friend who jams the radio, and you're trying to be like this people. It's like, you know, this is fine, but it's really not. You're, like, you're looking around awkwardly, kind of awkward, smiling. It's like, yeah, this is great. Please end this. That's what it was like. It was um a little embarrassing. I I won't lie. It was a little embarrassing because it was just so loud, so so loud. And I I guess you might be wondering if if the if this if the speakers were any good um I, i'll be honest with you i don't know what what constitutes as a good speaker mostly because i'm just not that picky about it so i don't know what to tell you there i all i can tell you is that they were loud but i don't think there was a ton of bass i think because there there was a bit of bass but i think that was just due to the volume rather than the actual to use a word to describe itself base of, of the mu- of the speakers so yeah the titan was easily the least impressive vehicle there for me the ride was a little bit lackluster, to probably what a truck would ride like but but the bumping the paddle ball effect down the tower that that was disappointing the interior was just utterly it, it, it's incredible that someone could still make an interior like that that's what that was so without harping on that too much, let's move over to the Volvo XC Forty because that was probably another vehicle that had a good interior. The materials were nice. There were some interesting bits, but it was a little boring. And I mean, it is Sweden, so maybe it was going to be minimalist, which it was, but it was it was boring. I, I found there there was one area, and it was like a, it was a dotted accent in the middle between the rest of the dash and the glove box, and it's just, it's this just like piano black trim with in my mind like acoustic silver dots it was strange it looked cool but that's about the only thing that was really interesting in the interior maybe maybe outside from the air vents which were pretty good um yeah that car it handled well it went pretty well we didn't once again that was a car we didn't get on it that much that was day one as well uh it looks fantastic it looks it's the business outside and in some cases on the inside as well but it I found it to be a really, really fantastic looking car. That car just reaffirmed my theory, strengthened my theory that with Volvo's new design language they can't make a bad looking car. At the very least, they haven't yet, in in my opinion. Uh, It handled well, the engine was quiet, like I said, we didn't really get on it, it moved pretty well. The interior was nice and comfy. The seats I found were pretty comfortable as well. It was pretty quiet on the inside as well. It was pretty quiet. There wasn't that much going on with the Volvo XC40, so I kind of have just a vague idea of what it was like. That was a good car too. Next one. In fact, let me take a break and save some cars for the end.
1: Are you uninsured or underinsured? Can't afford the high premiums of health insurance? Would you like to save money on your out-of-pocket cost for dental and medical bills? If you answered yes to any of these questions, request more information at http colon slash 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 alternative healthcare solutions. Or call Dr. Taffy at 303- Five seven six dash zero six seven zero. Our plans are available in forty two states.
0: Alrighty, let's move on here. I'm trying to say the best for last. <laughs> Alrighty, let's talk about the Fiat five hundred X. Not bad. Not bad at all. It rode... Honestly, we weren't pushing all these... Well, most of the cars, we weren't pushing. So, it's kind of like, say, oh, it rode, blah, blah, blah. Because, honestly, you're not really going to push your car hard enough during daily driving to really... I'd say set it apart, except for subtle nuances. So, what are you going to do? But the 500 did ride well. It was pretty quiet. The interior was nice. Maybe... I really wasn't expecting as much plastic as a, as a few of these cars had. But then again, the 500X, I think it starts for less, way less than thirty grand, and I think you'd have to re- go crazy on the options to get it to thirty grand. So what are you gonna do? And it really wasn't that bad anyway. There were there were some nice areas. If there's one thing that lets the 500X down, it's the engine. We didn't have the 1.4 turbo. I don't even know if you can get that in the 500X. We had the 2.4 Tiger Shark. It's not a bad engine, but it I think. After all this time, it's definitely lackluster. It is seriously lackluster now. It was quick, and again, we didn't really push it, but it was fairly quick. I guess in some cars, relatively efficient. That I'm very excited for that new 1.3 liter GSE engine that's in the Renegade, and that, will, and that should be in the new 500X. Because the 2.4, it's been around for a long time. Not unupgraded or not unaltered, but it's been around for a little while now. It's definitely about time for the engine to go. So that's probably the one thing that really let it down it was just lackluster but the rest of the car was nice it rode really well it handles really well the seats were comfortable it's it, it's the interior sitting in the front was tight and i and again i'm only 5'5 i'm not that tall i'm not exceptionally tall at all but even sitting in the front i, I was i was i think a little peeved by just how small it is i'm like i really want i was sitting there thinking i want a little bit more just space I'm not I don't get claustrophobic. I was just annoyed at how small it and how small it was I'm like, I need I just need more space So but again, it is a small vehicle. So what what are you gonna do engines? Probably the one thing that lets it down the rest of it. It's pretty well that and maybe trunk space because that's I think the renegade gives you more trunk space So you'd be better off there the next vehicle and I'm not doing this in any real order just so you know Another vehicle I rode in was a Mercedes E-Class 400 convertible. And I don't know if you guys ever heard me say, I might I'm pretty sure I've said it at least once, that I'm not a convertible person. And so having after ridden in a convertible, I'm still not a convertible person. I don't I don't have a desire to get one. I don't really want one. The Maz the Miata RF is as close as I'd want. Or is as close as I'd get if I were to actually buy a convertible, it would be a targa. That way you get the both the best of both worlds a convertible when you chop the roof off to me you're kind of cutting so, sort of an important part of the design aesthetic you're, you're getting rid of an important detail in the design to me it's every piece matters a car to me a car doesn't always look i've yet to find a car that in my eyes looks better as a convertible than a hardtop and the e-class it's the same it's the same thing but even then i actually had a I had an actual problem with the car, and it was the turbulence. David and Ashley, the Mercedes rep, were sitting in the front having a normal conversation. You know, they, they weren't speaking that loudly. I don't think they were really raising their voice. They were speaking probably about as loudly as you would in a start, you know, if you were having a conversation at Starbucks. I had to shout and strain to listen. I had to shout just to get them to hear me, and I had to strain. I had to really focus in on what someone was saying just to hear them. It was really really irritating. I would have been perfectly content to just sit there, take some pictures and some video, and just not really mind the turbulence if no one was talking, so I wouldn't have to be worried if my name came up and someone asked me a question. But they were talking, so I couldn't quite do that. I did take videos and I did take pictures, but I couldn't really just be carefree. So, I mean, until I decided, until I really started getting pretty apathetic about it, and I was like, oh, well, I'll just have to wait till we get, you know, sort of in town. But, yeah, the turbulence in the back where i was because i was in the back seat it was the worst the front didn't seem to be that from the from how quietly they were able to speak in the front i was making the guess that it probably wasn't that bad in the front but in the back it was atrocious and don't and trust me the car has a wind disruptor it i honestly don't know if not having it would have made a difference and it probably would it probably would have been just God awful if it was if it was gone if it wasn't there but it was still it was still very unpleasant. It was still very very unpleasant with it with it there. So that was the worst part about that car and, and I, I was saying in the article I don't know if you've seen it but I was saying if you get a car like that, don't have anyone sit in the front or sorry don't have anyone sit in the back don't talk to anyone in the back or just get the coupe but if you're not that worried about it whatever but the car itself rode nice it was pretty peppy that 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 engine was pretty powerful it rode really really nicely it was a very nice riding car the seats were pretty comfortable despite the fact that i was sitting behind dave who's pretty tall but i had it i had i still had a good amount of leg room um it handled really nice. again we really were most of what we were doing for day one was highway driving so we really didn't get to i didn't get to ride that through the mountains towards the Stanley and the twisties, but it it handled the highway stuff nicely. The interior was pretty much your typical Mercedes, high quality leathers and stuff like that. I did find a few areas where I was surprised to find plastic, some better than other, some areas weren't so bad, some areas I could tolerate. There was one area though, that had bargain bin level plastic. And it was when you're sitting in the back and you know how most cars have those two air vents. Okay, well, in the Mercedes, it was kind of like the Jeep, where that was was an entire mold because it, the plastic would wrap around like a sort of casing for those air vents for, and then it would dip away in the back so you could have your center storage compartment. But but under but under that storage, it was still plastic. In that whole area, it was just a giant mold to me. It it was, and I knocked on it, and again, it was like milk carton plastic. I was surprised. I was shocked. But that's what it was. And then I go to the top of and it's not really a door panel, but if there was a door there, it'd be a door panel. But right right to the top of the right to the top of the uh of the interior panel where the window was, because I was sitting in the back, that was also plastic. That was that was actually a better plastic. I still think if you're paying and that was an eighty nine thousand dollar vehicle. I still think that if you're paying specifically for a luxury car like that, areas like that really shouldn't have plastic. But then again, it's not really a Rolls Royce, it's you know, it's a Mercedes. So maybe I mean maybe you could get a more luxurious interior and get rid of that, but I could I could forgive the the two air vents in the back. I could forgive that whole housing being plastic if it was made out of the same better higher quality plastic that the arm that the top that the sort of armrest was not the prop not a proper armrest in the middle of the seat, but where you would rest your shoulder well, not your sh- where you would rest your elbow. Well, it's the same thing, where the window was. If it was made from that near the sort of door making quotations by the sort of door panel the top of the door panel. if it was if it was made from that plastic i could forgive that because it because then it at least it was consistent and that that was a tolerable plastic that was a plastic but still nice it wasn't that it wasn't that bad but no so that was that was surprising and i looked around the top of the dash and where the actual top of the door panel was when you're sitting in the front that, that plastic sort of wrapped around the dash, and that, that, again, to me was surprising, I could forgive it being at the top of the door panel, but the entire dash, a little surprising, you're not really gonna touch that area much, I wouldn't suspect, but I just found it very surprising, but, yeah, nice car, the fixtures, the fixtures and stuff, the buttons, they were gorgeous, they were really luxurious, they were really exquisite, so, that, that's something that the Ram, because I was saying to people that the Ram had less plastic in the interior than the Mercedes did, and the only area where I, if I where I remember finding some plastic was down, in sort of like when you're on the door and you get that storage compartment where you put like a tablet or your DVDs or your napkins and stuff. Okay, there, and maybe on the lower end of the of the lower console where your where your central store where your yeah where your central storage would be. But the rest of it, the, again, the fixtures one is nice, but then again, that was a sixty-six thousand dollar truck, not an eighty-nine thousand dollar luxury convertible but still that interior to me in the ram at the very least for most of the dash materials and stuff were very nearly as nice as that mercedes and that that is saying a lot so the mercedes a few surprising areas that i wouldn't have expected but otherwise a really nice really really luxurious car next for the next day i rode in the nissan leaf and the leaf was the leaf was surprising in a good way it was very very i just i I haven't ridden an electric car. I know I didn't like electric cars that much until I rode in the Leaf. The Leaf makes me like, uh it made me like electric cars. It had enough power to get out of its own way. It handled almost like a hot hatch. I still believe that that car has a hidden rebellious streak. It has the spirit of a hot hatch, and it's very, it really catches you off guard because you don't expect, you don't expect an electric car to have something like that unless you get a sporty version of it. But the Leaf. It was it was fun to ride, and I can't say what it was like to drive in, but it was a, it was a very surprisingly fun vehicle to ride in. The back seats are strangely high. I didn't I didn't quite understand. It was odd, but you sit really really high up when you when you get in the back seats of the Leaf. I mean, you almost tower over the the headrest of the guy sitting of the person sitting in front of you. It's again, it's very very odd. Now the road noise. Nothing, I mean, the engine, no point talking about how quiet that was because it's electric, but the road noise wasn't that bad. It was better than I, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And it, it's made me more open to why some people would, would get an electric car. Because it, 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 the Leaf is the perfect, electric cars really are good for urban environments, sort of like living in the city, a sort of Chicago, new, <clears throat> less busy New York style, where you live, you know, a place where you, where everything's, maybe just a few miles away but you can't be bothered to bike and electric your car makes a lot of sense a lot of sense so that's that's probably the best market for an ev but it, it was really really surprising how how good the leaf was that was one of the more impressive not the probably, yeah one of the most one of the most impressive vehicles the interior as Matthew and Chaba was saying it was surprisingly plasticky. Well, not even surprising, it was just very plasticky. Uh kind of like a hollow, hollow type of plastic. But then again, when when you have to get when you need to get more than two hundred miles or just about two hundred miles on a battery, and batteries already cost so much, you you're going to cut in some areas, and I guess the interior was it had a nice design, so at least at least it had that going for it, much like the Jeep Cherokee. So I could I can forgive most of the interior of the material choices if it has a nice design. Okay, so you know it's not cumbersome, it's not ugly, it's not whatever. So at least at least everything's intuitive, and apart from the interior materials, it looks great. So and the Mercedes was definitely that, despite a few areas, it definitely looked spectacular. But yeah, the Leaf was, and and apparently there's something about the rebates, and basically you can get a lot of discounts on the Leaf. I didn't, I don't buy cars, so I didn't understand it myself honestly but from all the gasping and from what the one guy was saying with just how darn impressive it was i think it's v- it's very noteworthy If i can't explain it but if you're in if you're in the market to look for a leaf i'd say if the hopefully your dealer will tell you ask them about it if they won't i to go to another dealer or try and get it out of them probably won't be that successful but it's worth a shot Alrighty, the next car I will be talking about is the Miata RF. Despite the fact I'm going to talk about the Chrysler Pacifica next. The Miata RF. A very, a very very small little sports car. I mean, when I see a Miata, the new one. Or I say the new one, the current one. In in the family Tiguan. In, or in the family Tiguan. I look at that. When it's on the road, and I'm like, that thing is tiny. It's just... It, it, it's a micro car. For modern standards, anyway. And the rf when i was standing next to it didn't it looked small compared to the other cars but not so small when you're inside you really get a feel for just how small the car is it is tiny it's a lot of fun though it wasn't the most powerful vehicle there no but it was certainly the lightest it was definitely the lightest vehicle there and that was. it was a lot of fun it didn't feel that slow to me uh, the ride was good the seats were pretty comfortable the turbulence was not great. Uh, like I said, I'd still prefer that. I'd still prefer a Targa, which is what the RF is, over a full-on convertible. Not only that, I mean, I guess all Targas are hardtops, but still. Or at the very least, most? No, it should be. It should be all of them. But anyway. Yeah, the noise it made, pretty good. Couldn't really hear it over the wind as we sped up. Uh, the car was fun. We, we At one point, we did test how fast the roof went up and went down, and... I'm almost certain it was faster going down than it was going up. About 40 seconds going up and maybe 30 seconds going down. It, it seemed really, it seemed fairly slow going up to me. But and another thing, you have to hold the button down to make it go up or go all the, to make it go all the way up and all the way down. It does, it's not a one, it's not a press one and done type type of deal, which was a little interesting. Uh, yeah, and then I rode, I rode, actually I rode in that car twice. Once, once with David, once with Mia, and Mia didn't drive it as long as David did. I think we actually got up onto the highway in the Miata, whereas Mia didn't go as far. We ended up... She ended up doing a U-turn, and she whipped that thing around. <laughs> I'm telling you, that, that, either the car is really small, or the turning radius is really impressive. It's one of the two, but it was... The handling's really good. It, it was a really, really fun car. It rode really well, though. It I'd say better, better than the Titan, which was a surprise to me, because you know the miata is a little you know it's a little sports car it would be i i thought it would be maybe just a little bit stiff good handling all you know all your sort of typical sports car stuff and it didn't do the paddle ball thing that the titan did on that on that stretch of tower and so that that was i mean again neither did the mustang or the m5 really fun car the interior that, that was pretty nice kind of small and i don't think there's any cup hold no there were cup holders, and it encroached on one blocked something i don't really remember what it's a fairly small interior but it it, to me looked like a lot of fun or it it was a lot of fun to ride in a lot of fun to ride in the interior i could see how it'd be small for some but i didn't it was just hot it was hot because the the roof was down and the sun was beating down on the seats it was hot it was terrible i didn't feel too tight i personally didn't feel that that claustrophobic or anything it wasn't awful the next car i wrote in i've saved all most of the performance cars for last the <coughs> the next car i rode in was the chrysler pacifica hybrid now i know most people are like eh, eh. minivans this isn't and that's kind of it's really lame it's really dumb honestly because the pacifica really is a perfectly fine family vehicle it doesn't it doesn't handle like a so, like a soggy loaf of bread the rigidity of the body isn't like a camp isn't like a camper van with no roof if if any of you have watched top gear clarkson era the later seasons where they're going camper van racing with the mazda cx-5 and the tiguan r and the the caravan you'll know what i'm talking about but yeah it it just felt like a really really big it felt like a really big hatchback and i mean and i say really big in comparison to other hatchbacks but that's what it felt like it just felt like a big car it rode the handle like dynamic car it rode really nicely the seats were comfortable but the one thing that was different obviously that isn't the same in a hatchback is just how open the interior was it was just you could fly if you if they had micro planes micro RC planes and by micro I mean like sort of like the Hot, hot Wheels Nitro RC sized cars but as planes if they if you had, you could fly it around it wouldn't be easy but you could or really or micro drones you could fly a micro drone and how open the interior is of the pacifica it's really really impressive just just how well how well produced that vehicle is how well crafted that vehicle is it was it was also pretty peppy it was pretty peppy It, it could get out of its own way fine you wouldn't you really unless someone was being a bit of a moron and wouldn't let you pass by speeding up i mean maybe you'd have to think ahead but Again, normal merging situations, you'd have no problems merging. You you'd have no problems getting up to speed. It really is that quick. It's a very just well-rounded vehicle. A really really well-rounded vehicle. It has it's got a good deal of power. It drives at the very least it rides like a car, as far as I could deduce from where I was sitting it pro- probably just drives like a really big it probably feels bigger than than most cars but it would probably still feel like a car i'm telling you it definitely rode like one even when we were going through some turns it just didn't feel that big it didn't feel like a minivan you know the interior space really that's what made it feel like a minivan but the way that the car rode honestly just made me think of a ford focus a big ford focus really was very very impressive and the the way that the hybrid system works is it'll go into hybrid mode when you're not really calling on a lot of say cruising and then when you're trying to merge or calling on more power it'll seamlessly and i and we actually tried this i mean seamlessly it'll seamlessly switch to the gasoline engine and occasionally it'll do it'll go it'll use both the gasoline and the hybrid motors to you know give you extra oomph and you can hear when the engine it's not it's not even that bad you'll just hear a low hum when the when the engine kicks on but it's it's completely seamless, you really wouldn't, I couldn't tell when it happened, I could not tell at all when the engine kicked in, apart from, you know, the low humming of, of an engine on a highway, you know, as in most other cars, it was fairly quiet on the inside, uh, I mean, it's, a minivan is basically just a bunch of walls, just a bunch of relatively thin walls, because, and I'm not saying not strong, but relatively thin, it's, it's, it's a lot of open spaces, so there's a lot of, ways for sound to penetrate into the interior and it was impressively quiet uh the dash i looked at later it was nice the steering wheel was nice the the front when you're sitting in the front the passenger the passenger seat and the driver's seat it's open you could the passenger could kick the driver there there's no sort of lower con there's no traditional lower console someone could stand there to put it that way or a child could stand. And not, not a normal person because they'd be too tall. They'd have to break their back bending over. But a child could stand in between the driver footwell and the passenger footwell. Because, it, because right in between, it's open. It's open. It's incredible. To me, the Pacifica, if it's not the most impressive, it's right up there as one of the most impressive. Because I I knew, I really didn't think it was going to be that bad. I, I thought it was going to be good. But I didn't think it would be that go- that just that good. I didn't think it would be essentially a giant hatchback, because that's that's exactly what it was. The next car that I wrote it was the the car I've been really excited for for a long time for a long time. The car that I've anticipated, the Kia Stinger, that is something I've been very very excited to just get a chance to be inside and in this case ride in and it's it's impressive it's another vehicle that's darn impressive i was hoping it would be good and i heard a few things that okay well it sounds it sounds pretty good it was it was really really good the engine had had a lot of pull it was very i want to say racy as cliche as that is but it wanted it wanted to get going it could you know just hang around in the background but it wants to it wants to run the engine wants to run the handling is good, it's fun, turning is good. It's it's enthusiastic. The engine and the handling is very enthusiastic when you really get it going. But it rides really well, it's quiet. It, supposedly it's sport luxury, I didn't really see the luxury side that much. I saw it more sporty because to me the interior was just a little bit minimalist in a few areas. There, are, there were some really nice fixtures though that were definitely luxury oriented. Uh, I saw it, honestly, more as sport. But the engine, though, it made was good. The brakes are good. It's overall just really, really good. And David David asked me an interesting question about whether or not I thought that the Stinger is a good flagship car. And I and I told him no. I said, okay, a flagship car is supposed to be the best of what a brand represents. And what Kia... To me, the K900 is a better flagship for Kia. And the reason is, where, where was Kia Taren... 10 or, you know, almost 20 years ago, well, I say 10, you know, 14, 12 years ago. Where were they? They were making cheap, nasty boxes. That's what they were making. And now look at where they've come. They've got 10-year, 100,000-mile warranties. They've got nice interiors, nice engines. They look good. They're reliable. They're, and all, you know, they've got nice interiors. They're high quality and that to me is exemplified to the max with the k900 but that that to me is the ultimate expression of of where kia has come from that they can now that they've now made a luxury car that they have the audacity to make a luxury vehicle that to me is where where the flagship in it like because every, everything that the k900 reflects or sorry everything that the k900 is about is reflected in the rest of the lineup the higher quality the reliability the the nice interior, although for their, you know, for their classes, but but still. Whereas performance, maybe except for the Optima, really isn't what Kia is about. That, what, performance isn't reflected in rest, in the rest of the lineup. Not really. You have a few sporty Kias, but they're not. Those cars aren't built with an underlying philosophy of performance. When they're making the base model, performance just doesn't matter. It's not, it's not like with the Camry where they aim to make it more fun to drive. They have... Kia has fun to drive models, but they don't make their cars necessarily fun to drive from the get-go. At the very least, they didn't just a few years ago. I don't I can't really say much about their newer models. But that but that's my point where you know Kia's been constantly striving to improve on their quality, the interiors, looks, the engines, the reliability, their, and I say improve the warranty, but you know, have great warranties. And things like that, and the K900 again is the ultimate expression of where Kia. The K900 it's the it's the best symbol of where Kia has come from and where they are now. And again, everything that the K900 is is reflected in some way across the lineup. And it's that their cars are actually good. It's their higher quality, whereas performance again isn't. And that's why I don't, that's why I told them though that the Stinger to me isn't a flagship because what the what the Stinger stands for isn't isn't really reflected in the rest of the lineup. Whereas what the K900 stands for has is reflected in the rest of the lineup because it's been going since it's been going on since about 10 or 12 years ago. It's making good cards. It's starting from the bottom and now we're at the top. If any of you know that meme, that's, that's what it is. And the K900 is the epitome of that top. That's why I believe it's the flagship. Now could the Stinger make a good flagship if the other models reflected the same performance philosophy as the Stinger? Oh yeah, absolutely. And as and as Kia's first attempt to make a performance, you know, sport luxury vehicle, they've really, really done their homework. They've done a just a splendid job. Now I don't I don't know if they could have done it any better. You know, there's always a few tweaks they could have done here and there. But for their first try, for their first try, it's magnificent. The only the only problem is that the one that we have was like was 52 grand, and for for was for a non K900 for for a Kia for. For what's supposed to be a performance car, that the problem is that that's asking a lot of I'd say customer faith. Uh, You know, you're asking for customers to put their faith in the fact that you've made a good car, and that's that's you know, Kia doesn't have the brand recognition to ask fifty two grand for a car like the Kia. BMW does; they can get away with it, even if the three or four series is worse than the Stinger, which I wouldn't be surprised if it is. They have the brand recognition to get people over there anyway. Kia doesn't, and that's the problem. Making making a car like the Stinger, that takes guts because that, Kia is targeting a market where they have no brand recognition, where they've never made a vehicle like the Stinger before, and they're trying to, maybe not prove a point, but they're trying to, they're trying to forge a new image, they're trying to carve a new path, and they're not doing it with the lowest common denominator, and by that I mean they're not making a Focus ST rival to sort of test, to try, to try their hand and see if they can do it and work their way up. They're starting a fair ways up, and I think what they're going to do is then trickle that down throughout the rest of the range. That takes guts. Because you're starting, you're starting in an area, again, where you have no recognition, no, no nothing. You're starting from you're starting with nothing and trying to build something. But you're not starting from the bottom. You're starting halfway through. It's like starting halfway through the game without knowing how to play the game because you bought it used and you did and you decide to play someone else's say that they forgot to clear. That's what it's like. But Kia has done a really, really good job. It's like it's like what Chrysler did with the Viper. They had no, they didn't really have sports cars. They had no knowledge in making V tens, all aluminum engines. They didn't have much knowledge in making a car like the Viper. They didn't. They didn't start with the performance philosophy and build up. And and in some ways, you could say they did because they had the Shelby Omni's and and things like that. Yeah, and they had a few performance models here and there, but you know, not like. I'd argue maybe not like the neon the way that that was a fun car to drive or SOT they didn't necessarily have that but even those even those cars a lot would say well you know they're still K cars they're still boring this and that but it is similar to what to where Chrysler LLC at the or Chrysler Corporation were at the time when they were making the Viper they were more or less if we stretch the truth a little bit they were starting a few levels up in the game What... Without trying to start at the bottom... You know, they were making... They didn't even start out making a small Miata-type sports car to test the waters. That's not what they did. They went for the full-on Corvette, you know... Even even arguably Lamborghini in terms of performance. You know, Lamborghini, Ferrari, Porsche rival. They started trying to bake a cake when they didn't even know how to make a muffin. And I know it's a weird... But I think it works. And it... I mean, the car has had rough patches, but we still had it until last year. We've had the car for 25 years. It worked. More... You Know with, with a few rough patches here, but it worked. They they pulled off, they pulled off the unimaginable, and Kia might have just done the same anyway. Enough rambling about the about the stinger. Let's oh, wrong way. Okay, let's move on to the Mustang Bullet. Oh boy, that was so much fun! It was manual 400, I believe, 480 horsepower, just V8 raucous American apple pie. It was. So it was awesome. It was awesome. It rode well, but it was fast. It and it, the, if there's one thing that the that the, the Mustang did better than the M5 is the loudness of the engine because you could hear the V8 grumble and bobble and all that and all the great V8 goodness. You could hear it. You didn't really have to strain. You could. It was there. It was so easy to hear. It was so dominant, and that's the whole point of that car. And it. Everything I'm about to say from this point on is cliche. It has character, it's person it has personality. It it uh presence rolling down the street or in the park, it has presence. It's it's got swagger, it's cool. For I think Ford nailed it. They have nailed the bullet mustang for modern times. It was so awesome being in there. If there's one thing, if there's one thing I didn't like about the interior, and it's not the fact that you couldn't get anyone in the back unless you amputated their legs, because you had to. Or maybe if, there were, if a baby was sitting in the back, in in a car seat, obviously, because a car seat. I don't know if you can You'd have to get a small car seat. But considering it's a no leg room anyway, and it wouldn't matter. You might be able to put a baby back there. But that wasn't it. My problem is with the infotainment system, specifically with how it's been integrated into the interior. It's what Ford seemed to do. They had a nice, sleek, curry kind of retro-looking interior, trying to mimic the old Mustang. And then they slapped a big infotainment screen below the air vents, and people have been in the, I think the S five hundred and fifty Mustang, the newest one. People have been in that Mustang. Know what I'm talking about? It's just a big slab of screen, okay. And the sides, it, it looks like a giant brick is in the interior, okay. And I'm not just talking about the infotainment. I'm talking about the way that the, the way that the sides on the on the dash sort of curve around the the screen But it starts you know when you're on the lower console and then you get to the the center console it goes small and then it sort of it curves out wider and that curve falls all the way down to maybe the dash structure uh behind behind the the engine button in front of the interior and it just looks it makes the interior look sleek and light and visually and um just that sleek and then you have this great weight, this great visual weight to the interior that is this square slab just above the transmission tunnel or, you know, where that we're, you know, just above the, the area where the transmission tunnel is that has, you know, the gear stick and your cup holders and things like that. But further up where your HVAC controls are, you, again, you just have this great slab and it, that's the worst part. Of the interior is just that great big slab because it, it it weighs the interior it's it's a to i couldn't drag my eyes away from it it's a focal point you just your eyes just keep drifting down to this great weight because it's so distracting it's very very distracting so you, it's really hard to tear your eyes away from because you just draw to the, oh gosh it's a dumbbell in the interior but that, that was the worst part, but the rest of the car, that was not so minor, but the rest of the car was fantastic. It was loud, it was rocking, it was comfortable, very, very comfortable, but just a whole lot of fun. So much fun to ride, and it was, it was great. It was really a great car to ride in. And again, the sound, the sound was incredible. That, that Just the engine howling, howling at the back. Fantastic. Last car, the last car. This is the best. I say the best for last, the BMW M5. <laughs> it's a 600 and f- either 640 or 650 horsepower, four-door, all-wheel drive, twin-turbo V8 maniac. It's just a lunatic when you want it to be. But when you want it to be, it has no problem getting into that. car. It has no problem pulling off this Jekyll and Hyde effect of switching over to this. To this other personality. It is crazy awesome. How it's Because it pulls. The Mustang. The bullet probably could have been a bit faster. Without the manual. Or if you decided to shift faster. But the M5. Would, would still be faster. It pulls. It's relentless. It just keeps going. And going. And going. And your sense of speed. Your sense of speed is completely thrown off. I was riding with the guys, the team clear coat guys, Dave and Ian, and Dave said, he asked all of us in the car, how fast do you think we're going? And I said, I said 65. It turned out we were maybe doing 75 or something. It, it, (laughs) you think you're going slower than you are. And then you look at it like, you're going incredibly fast. You're going just way, way faster than you really think you are. And, and it, there's just no problem going faster. You can. It's a lunatic, how, how, fa- cause it, it, it's a surge. It's a sort of villainous surge of of, relentla- of of relentlessness. It's it's just never ending. You just keep going and going and going. And you wonder and you wonder when it's gonna stop. It doesn't stop. It keeps going. It keeps it keeps revving. It keeps revving. The noise is getting louder. It wasn't as loud as the Mustang, and that's my only complaint about the M5. Is I wish you could hear the engine more. It was too quiet inside. I, my thing about a performance car is, if I'm gonna get it, I mean, it doesn't have to be ridiculously loud inside, but I want, you know, I want to hear the engine because it's it's music, it's wonderful music, and and in the F5 was a little bit subdued, and that was a shame. And I think we even had the exhaust open, maybe maybe we didn't, but it was still. Oh boy, that was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to ride in it. The ride is great. The steering, I guess. Was fine. I mean, it was me, Lauren, who runs. I think she runs Trusted Auto Professionals. I don't know if she runs it, but it looks like she does. It was me, Lauren, Dave, and Ian. We were all in the car, and then she confesses that she hasn't driven it for two days. I mean, there were some cars I didn't get in on either day, honestly. But she confesses that she hasn't driven it. So, and, and by this time, we're sort of going back to the to the hotel parking lot where all the cars are we pull dave or no ian pulls over we driver swap lauren gets in the car <laughs> and i have to tell this story i've already told the story maybe four times i think two or three to my family and then maybe one to someone. i don't know no no no. most most was with family but lauren gets in, and holy mess <laughs> if if the m5 was a horse you might you might know where I'm going with this. If the M5 was a horse, she was cracking that whip like nobody's business. Just she would give the horse a bald spot, right right on its thigh. She was <laughs> she was making that M5. She was putting it to work. She was not giving the M5 an, an easy time of it. David Ian got on it a fair few times, yes, but Lord. <laughs> Lauren was way more aggressive, way more aggressive about it than Ian was. It, it was that Ian or Dave, no competition, just way more aggressive with it. You you would not believe, you, you simply wouldn't believe. I'm sorry, t- it was a little bit scary, but it was so, it was so hilarious. It was so much fun. That was easily probably the best ride. I'm so glad I decided when I saw that M5, I was like, I should really get one more ride. And, and I ran up and I faked. The, I didn't really want to knock on the window because it looked like they're having a conversation. So I just, I just put like a, a displeased face and I'm like, sort of like a how could you know how dare you ride without me? And I was just like fake knocking really really aggressively. And I got I'm so glad I made that decision because I am so glad I didn't miss out on that. It was awesome. It was crazy. It was crazy. But but when you're not when you're not just torturing the m5 when you're not doing that it's it's your typical executive saloon it's your ticket it's your typical executive sedan perfectly comfortable just so supremely comfortable a really gorgeous interior that had a really 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 nice interior i i like that interior a lot it's kind of the dash it, it was kind of the the way it was laid out wasn't very it was kind of splattered Everything was kinda of splattered everywhere. There wasn't really a clear direction for everything. It was just it's just where the center console was, where your infotainment stuff is. It was just some it was just a, a mishmash of buttons with no clear direction, no rhythm or rhyme. It was just to put it lamely, just a blob of buttons there. That that that's another criticism, but it was the m5 was the craziest that might have been the best vehicle there <laughs> it was so much fun it was so fast it pulls like no one's business it it was good it was tight the, so that's all the vehicles i rode and that is my impression of all the vehicles that i rode in. i hope you all enjoyed i'll see you all soon i'm telling you that that whole that two day those two days were awesome so much fun so much fun i'll talk to you guys soon You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at CodyCarConUndRM, or check out my website, www.Cody'sCarConundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content.